When we think of our life with the Messiah, what, what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he is, he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, the, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. It is, oh, I have the wrong thing up here. It's Wednesday, November 6, 2019. This is Messiah Matters, number 278. If I could get my notes open, that would be fantastic. Um, Yeah, my wife literally wants to come on this show and answer last week's email. My name is Caleb Pegg. Wanting Lakeisha to come on the show and answer last week's email. I'm Rob Vanhoff. No doubt. <laughs> uh, for some reason, I'm unable to close this. Hang on just one second. What am I doing here? Uh-oh, well, we lost check. Rob. There what? you are. There you are. Okay, I got you. 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 I was real quick. Yeah. You know, we, we're Lord willing, we're going to be at SBL in a couple weeks. Yes. And and uh, I got this book last. I think it was last year. Did I get, was this last year or the year before? I think it was this the year before. Yeah. Theology grams. Oh, was this Boston? Boston. Boston. Theology explained in diagrams. So I right. don't know if anybody's ever seen this, but. Um, I know where I think we're going to play some clips from uh, N.T. Wright. Yes. Today. When he's talking about women leadership. And there's a chart here. It just says resurrection appearances. And it's it's acute. And it's, it's just theological things by graphs. But here it's these are this is just a graph of appearances. I know it's probably dark, but I can't see. Anyway, it's funny. But, yeah, it's uh, it seems to be a woman in all the. It's always woman, a woman or women who are the first to see in the different synoptics. Um, but Paul mentions Cephas first, which is interesting. So anyway, uh, funny book. I was just burning some time since it was sitting on my desk. I saw it. I was walking by one of my bookshelves and I saw it the other day. I'm like, oh, I haven't looked at that for a while. That'll be fun. I do that every once in a while. Every once in a while, I'll be like, and then oh, it man, just I... sits on my. It'll be on my desk right. for another year. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll look at my bookshelves at home, and I'll be like, oh man, I gotta, I, I still haven't cataloged one shelf, so I'll be like, oh, I'll start cataloging. So I'll like be moving stuff around and whatnot, and I'm like, I didn't know I had this book. Wow, this looks really good. I'll pull out. I have a stack of books like this big, right? I'm like, oh man, I want to read all these, and then slowly but surely, my wife will put them back onto the shelf <laughs> until I'm back to the one book that I'm reading. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, let, you know, before we get into this, I we have a new producer credit, and uh, and the producer credit uh, was a gift to someone. They chose now. Normally, we try to keep the the clips on this show short, like you know, five seconds or less. However, since no one, none of our producers have recently uh, uh, chosen any producer credits, I thought, hey, you know what? Why not now? Uh, David and Grace Ollinger, they uh, 
Grace emailed me and gave me four clips that she wanted to hear. And I said, do you have, want them in any particular order? And she said, no, you can just sprinkle them throughout the show. So our clips today are going to be from our producers, the Ollingers. Um, but I figured they have a long one. They have a 30-second one. And I thought, you know what? We should do this one for their actual producer credit. So here's their 30-second uh, their, their or so clip that they wanted to hear. Uh, our producers, the Ollingers, in Oklahoma. Uh, it didn't require Wait, any discipline to attain it. You know, you read what others had done, and you, and you took the next step. You didn't earn the knowledge for yourselves, so you don't take any responsibility for it. You stood on the shoulders of geniuses uh, to accomplish something as fast as you could, and before you even knew what you had, you, you patented it and packaged it and slapped it on a plastic lunchbox, and now you're selling it. You want to sell it. You've been blessed. That is Jurassic Park, however. Jeff, I think, Gold, Jeff Goldblum. Dude, did I ever tell you? So one of our other previous producers, Adam Smith. <laughs> nice a, clip. Very good friend of mine. He, he explained to me, his wife works at a hotel, and he explained to me that if you, you can ask for special requests, like when you book a room, you can ask for special requests. And I was like, like what? And he was like, what do you want? I can get you, like you just ask, if it's not too expensive, they'll get it for you. <laughs> I was like, no way. So they were going to, they were going to Spokane. And he was like, well, watch this. So he put in a special request to have a picture of Jeff Goldblum framed on the bed when he came in. <laughs> they did it. <laughs> he walked is in. That, <laughs> is that because his wife works there? No, no, or no. This is, is a this, different, this, totally random hotel. He, he, when you, It was a totally random hotel. He didn't know the people at all. And he still has that picture hanging in his office. And every time oh, I call it? Oh, yeah. Every time I call him, <laughs> every time I call him, he's got it right behind his head. <laughs> like right here. And it's, dude, it's awesome. And they did It's not like an extra fee. They just did it. They, it's like, a yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a special request. If it's not too expensive, they'll do stuff for you like that. I wonder if the people processing this. Yeah, your guy wants it. Okay, we can do that. Let's find exactly. a picture. Print it out. Exactly. Exactly. Should we do one more clip? Let's give one more yeah, clip. From I, that the, was from a great the, clip. Well, let's give one more clip from the Allingers. There's only one God, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. <laughs> they actually got some good ones. My favorite one that they got, we, we'll do in a few minutes. Okay. <laughs> he doesn't dress like that. <laughs> Oh, okay. I like back to the you. You didn't earn it. I like how he started slamming the table. Yes, oh, um, we need to jump right into this. We've already wasted eight minutes. Not not wasted. We've it, it spent uh, uh, important time uh, on important things. But let's move to something else important. First of all, last week we knew that we were going to uh, to to uh, you know stir up a, a we were going to hit a bee's nest. You know, we talked about John MacArthur and his comment about Beth Moore and. And uh, women leadership. Now, there, first of all, there's a couple of things that need to be said here. Number one, this is our position on women elders in the ecclesia is not something new to Torah resource. It's not like Rob and I all of a sudden stumbled upon a couple of passages and made up some new theology. Okay, my father wrote 47 pages, The Role of Women in the Messianic Assembly, in 1988. Okay, I was seven years old. This is a line that, that Torah Resource has taken 
uh, for a very long time. And it's not like we're saying anything new. And if you want to go read that, you can. It's on to our resource. And he's also done uh, two different lectures on women on the, in the Messianic Assembly. This is essentially the same, same material. But uh, this is not something new that, that all of a sudden Rob and I have like gone theologically wackadoo uh, for Torah Resource. That's number one. Number two, our show last week, uh, a po- contrary to what some people seem to have thought, our show was not on Beth Moore. The show last week was not about Beth Moore. It was about women as elders in the ecclesia. Now we got some, you know, we got some people saying that uh, that uh, we didn't do our research on Beth Moore. I, whether or not Beth Moore is an elder or not is not uh, is of little concern to me, seeing as though I'm not concerned about Beth Moore. Now, I certainly do have some concerns about Beth Moore. You know, she called recently. I think it was last July. She called uh, Christians who oppose homosexuality hyper-evangelicals. That, to me, is a problem. I stated some other problems I have with Beth Moore last week. The point is, is that John MacArthur and the SBC, or at least parts of the SBC, obviously consider Beth Moore to be in an elder role. Now, whether that's true or not, I, I actually have not found evidence of that. I would call her more in the uh, realm of possible, um, like, we, I don't like to use the word apostle for good reason. People these days don't use the word apostle because we reserve that for the 12 apostles. But it, it certainly seems that in the first century there were other others besides the 12, or well, 13 if you include Paul, or, well, 14 if you consider that Judas was. Anyway, uh, there's obviously more apostles, right? But the role of an apostle is certainly different than an elder. Actually, I have Watchman Nee's book here. It's called The Normal Christian Church Life. This was a, a series of lectures that he gave on uh, at different times on, ch- on the church and what the church is. And I, I mentioned this book in passing last week. Let's read a real quick excerpt from this. Is that okay? Do you mind? Sure. Here we go. Uh, he says... All management was in the hands of the elders, and if they thought it right, they could even refuse an apostle entry into their church. Should such a thing occur, the apostle would have no authority to insist on being received, since all local authority had already passed from his hands into the hands of the elders. How did Paul deal with the adulterous believer in Corinth? He did not just notify the church that he had excommunicated the man. The utmost he could uh, do was to instruct its members regarding the seriousness of the situation and seek to admonish them to remove the wicked person from their midst. First Corinthians five thirteen. If this and he goes on to say if the, if the leadership was rightly uh, rightly spiritual, they would comply with what he proved from the scriptures. So the role of an elder within the church is what we're talking about here. The, another thing that I think people uh, misunderstood about last week is that it's not that there that there is no role for women within the ecclesia. In other words, I fully believe that women can hold the office of, of deacon. Now every time we see a, a female apostle because Junius I believe was was uh, reckoned among the apostles or sent ones, however you want to say that and uh, anytime we see a woman deacon, 
it's always, I, I believe in the scriptures, it's always in concert with their husbands. In other words, they're listed with their husbands. I, I do think that that's, that should be noted. And I, I believe it could be uh, significant. Okay. Um, I think that we should jump right into this, as I already have. What do you think, Rob? Go ahead and go ahead and talk for a few seconds. I've been no, I was waiting. I was hoping to hear another uh, clip. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> well, son, since you haven't learned to respect your elders, it's time you learn to respect your betters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. I got one last one after that. Okay, but go ahead. So, well, today, I what I did, I was like, okay, I got to, I got to go back and watch that NT Wright video. And what I realized, the oh wait, hang about, on, wait, 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 let's before oh. before you go on, let's set this up real quick because because we had numerous people send us this video. What do you think about this? It's a clip, and I clipped this video. It's a uh, it's a clip from uh, interview with Doctor NT Wright uh, and him talking about women leadership within the church. Keep going. Yeah, and and what I realized. I, I had said, oh, I've already seen this interview last week, so I didn't watch it. Then it's like I went and I said, you know, I need to just refresh. It's not the one I thought. I think way back, like four years ago, we did a show and we interacted with another video where he talks about women in leadership. I, my brain could totally be wrong on that. I think we did a video a long, long time ago. And I, was, I had just thought, oh, that's the same one. No, it turns out it's not. It's, this is a much newer video. I was surprised by that many times he says, I don't know exactly what this is, what this means, you know. But anyway, I, I, so I think I'm glad we're going to look at that. I, you know, we got a couple emails, some people saying, you know, what about Deborah? What about Hulda? Uh, you know, women in the Tanakh. Um, and so maybe we could touch on those things. And uh, we have so much to cover there. here. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I, uh, uh, one, my, one person said that we mis they thought we misrepresented or we did a disservice. And I, and I, I replied, but I haven't heard back as to like, I said, well, could you be specific? Like, how did we, did we misrepresent, um, you know, MacArthur or more in a certain way? Um, I did just one little footnote. I did look up and found where she apparently, uh, Beth Moore apparently, uh, attends church and it's her son-in-law is this head pastor and they look like really reformed solid I mean, they look clearly solid. it says church governance is elders are men and protection they're charged with protection and leadership and then there's a second layer you know the deacons it can be men and women i so, think i think one of the one of the problems that so for instance the sheologians have spoken on beth moore numerous times um, one of the things that they say in, and by the way, in your show notes, I uh, linked an episode of the Sheologians and what they say about church, uh, church leadership and women being elders. I think that they got some very good points. I've actually clipped a couple of clips from that that episode. If you don't know who the Sheologians are, they are a group there. Um, I wouldn't say they're connected, but they're associated with Apologia. Um, and, uh, because, well, obviously summer is, uh, Dr. James White's daughter, um, but solid in theology in her own right. And, uh, basically where was I, uh, what was I going to say about that? Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they talk about how, um, you know, they do a podcast and they talk about the Bible, but if someone contacts them and asks about personal situations, that should be dealt with by an elder. They refer them to their elders. 
They say this is not for us to, to try to talk about. One of the things that I think uh, is a criticism, this isn't my criticism necessarily, I'm saying one of the things that I think is a criticism towards Beth Moore is the fact that she is giving personal, uh, this is what you should do advice. I could be wrong about that. Um, let's actually listen to, so in in my discussions with my wife this past week, she said, well, you know, you should have, maybe I should come on the show. Maybe, uh, you know, Jen and, and I should come on the show because, which I think, by the way, is a fantastic idea. I, 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 I told her she could just replace me for the show. Um, oh, no doubt. It probably the numbers that go up. Oh, yeah. All the <laughs> Um, but the, but she, she mentioned, you, you know, and I could ship, we could just become producers and yeah, exactly behind the scenes. Um, oh. but she, but she said, you know, one of the, I, she said, I think one of the problems that women have, by the way, the, for those who don't know my wife's story, it is a fantastic story of, of my wife coming to the Lord. When I met my wife, she was a self-proclaimed feminist. And, uh, so she has a very unique perspective on these kind of things. And she says, she said to me, you know, when you have the feminist idea of our culture today, not that the that that believing women that are listening to you are necessarily feminists, but it's it pervades our culture that you know you have a white man telling you about women submitting. Uh, you tend to a lot of women tend to check out. So if you have a woman talking about these issues, then they may be able to present them in a different way. I said that is a fantastic thing to say. So uh, let's go to, and I would love for my wife to come on the show at some point. Maybe I'll do that uh, very soon. Um, let's go to uh, Summer and Joy from the Sheologians, a podcast they have. You can look at the uh, their podcast in any podcast uh, center where you get your podcast. Uh, this is from one of their shows. Look, it's worth it to say, you talk about I can tell equal you about. standing, we have equal inheritance. Sure. So, okay. I mean, our whole thing is that we don't believe that we need feminism because scripture teaches that men and women are made in the image of God and have equal worth and value. So there's we don't need a secular thesis that has to borrow from our world view anyway to say that women... Um, have equal worth and value to men. And so I think Joy is right in that we should focus on First Timothy 2 in this discussion particularly. So they go on now to actually talk about First Timothy 2. And one of the things that they, they bring up throughout their entire episode is a 48-minute episode, which I listened to this morning. One of the things that they continue to bring up is context. You know, they talk about this idea that um, that Paul is talking about, um, you know, the the pagan cults and the priestesses and and all these kind of things, and that idea that this specific passage in in First Timothy is a reference to that, and they pretty much say that's you know we don't believe that because of context. The context has shows nothing of that. The context talks about uh, church structure or the structure of the of the local ecclesia, which I tend to agree with. Um, let's. I'm going to play one more clip from them. This is them talking about uh, the highest calling. If you think of eldership as the ultimate f- occupation, the best way to glorify God, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> and yes. um, there's a component of idolatry there. So um, 
I believe that we're told not many should be teachers. Right. And if you read First <laughs> Timothy, you'll realize there is it is a like a rigorous calling. Yeah. And there's a lot that's required of you. Um, and there's also no text that claims that God is more glorified in the elder, just really that he has a lot of responsibility yes. <laughs> before God. Yes. Um, so it's important to remember that women, they're not being held from the highest calling Correct. that there is. Correct. Um, and I just want to let you know that if you think women are being held from the highest calling, you're not the first person to think that. Sure. It's been happening for a really long time, and it's all ended horribly. Yeah. <laughs> Feminism. Fe- Feminism. <laughs> um, so I think their point is well taken. In other words, the idea that the, that the role of an elder is the highest calling God has for you. Uh, I I continue to not. I don't know anybody. Yeah. That why would who would make that claim? Yeah, that's I mean, but I, I think that that's one of the ideas. In other words, it's a high calling <laughs> for oh, it, like one of the highest callings you could have. So obviously women should have it, too. Well, th- this was one of the problems I had. You know, we, we often talk about the net Bible. And and the Net Bible is well, the value in my view of the Net Bible is the footnotes, not right? Exactly the tech, the textual notes, not necessarily translation. But here's here's a perfect example: James three verse one. Now the word Adelphoi is used, and Adelphoi is the plural for brethren. Adel Adelphos is like brother, Adelphoi, brothers. But it is understood that at times it, in both apostolic writings and in Greek more broadly, just Koine Greek more broadly, it can mean brothers and sisters. It can mean both genders. Okay. So in James 3, 1, let's contrast. NASB says, let not, and this goes back to one of the theologians, let not many of you be, become teachers, my brethren, knowing that such we, as such we will incur a a stricter judgment, so that we, in other words, James or Yaakov is including himself as being a teacher. And then he says, for we all stumble in many ways, but if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man on air. Now he's using the word for male specific. However, that's the NASB. The net, James 3, 1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, because you know that we will become judged more strictly. So the issue now then, and then when it says he will be a, uh, if someone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect individual. So they changed the word aner, which literally means man, to individual. Right. So here the Net Bible, if all I was reading was the Net Bible, I would find, and I just believed, oh, this is accurate. I would say, oh, see, you know, sisters and brothers, it's all, it does gender. God doesn't care about gender. He cares just about your heart and, and your motivation. And I don't, I, I'm not happy with the net Bible's translation right there. I don't think that's, um, because they basically what they got, they took is that policy. Every time it says brethren, we're going to put brothers and sisters. We'll have to, and then, have, and then they just, uh, yeah, we'll have to ask Wallace about that when we're at the ETS this year. I want to I want to know why he de- why he made that choice or why he he didn't make that choice. I'm sure he was just the general ed- editor of the of the New Testament. But I'm I'm wondering if if he considered why he would have considered that. 
Or maybe he didn't. I, I don't know. Well, we'll have to ask him. Um, uh, well, or you could say, oh, well, this he's just talking about, you know, if you're a woman and you're a teacher, you could still just in roles that biblically upholds a, a place for women to be a teacher, not necessarily teacher in the as, as a leader and protector of the flock kind of thing. I don't know. Um, I, so let's go to some of the emails that we got. This is one of the emails that we got. Um, and we're not going to use names because uh, actually we got I have a very good friend who uh, who who emailed me and uh, strongly disagreed and which is great, but I don't want to call anybody out here. So one of our friends uh, emailed and said, I applaud you for taking on the topic of John MacArthur and women preachers. However, it seems that you and Rob were woefully unprepared for the subject. It showed how unfamiliar with the doctrines of John MacArthur or Beth Moore. Spending only 30 minutes in preparation for a show on such a hot button topic is a disservice to both MacArthur and Moore. Okay, this was a mishearing of what I said. I said that I listened to Beth Moore's preaching and or teaching for 30 minutes. I did not say that I prepared for the show for 30 minutes. I spend usually about a day and a half to two days preparing for each show. So that is not what happens. And beyond that, um, Rob and I have talked about this topic on many times, on many different occasions together. And I have sat under my father when he has preached and spoken on this very subject many different times. So it's not like this preparation for the for last week's show was 30 minutes. I listened to Beth. I sat down and listened to Beth Moore's teachings, various teachings, various clips from her teachings for 30 minutes. And that's how I came up with the idea of I have a couple of things wrong with what she said. And I found that in only 30 minutes. Okay? That's what I'm talking about. You were always saying, he goes on, you were always saying context, 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 and you both left out the context into which Paul was writing. Yeah, actually, I think that Paul's context of, of uh, 1 Timothy actually proves the point. Uh, he says, the background of the woman's place in Roman culture and the rise of the new woman. So the fact of the matter is, is that I think that um, you have two different schools of thought on this. And actually, the, theolo- the sheologians bring this up. You have two different schools of thought on this. Number one is that women had a prevalent place within religion in the Roman, and, uh, Roman culture within the first century. And thus, you have priestesses and uh, whatnot in the Roman cult. Okay. But then the other side of the coin is, well, then why, why aren't uh, 12, uh, the 12 apostles, why aren't any of them women? And the idea is that would have been too radical. Well, which one is it? Is it that women were accepted within the religious cult of Rome? Or was it radical that women would be included in religious service? Some scholars have said that the fact that, that, uh, that Paul allows women to sit and learn is a radical shift in the, the norm of what's going on within the Roman culture. So which one is it? It's not that we haven't taken it into consideration. It's that I personally don't believe that the book of 1 Timothy addresses that. I don't think that's what he's addressing. He's talking about believing congregations and believing communities within the various places and how he and, and the structure of what they should look like. Comments? No? No, yeah. Oh, I hear you. I, I think that there, you know, I got an email from one person who, well, there's a couple females actually, but um, one in particular who is in a situation where it is a, a, a temporal 
situation. Don't know how long it could be. Not temporal, temporary, you mean? Tem- or, yeah, temporary, where it could be a few years. Um, and there is a high turnover of people in this specific situation. And she's found herself wanting to, um, you know, serve the Lord in this capacity. And it, uh, in her situation, she's actually had people request that she teach and take on some leadership responsibilities because of her training and her education. And she has sought, um, counsel, you know, multitude of counsel and she's not seeking this. This is just of necessity situation. And I think that's a good thing. And, and, but I don't see that as, I, I see that as an outlier because I think what we're talking about here with the, the general epistles or the pastoral epistles are places where you've got, this is where people live. Like this is a flock and this is where they live. And you've got someone there who's, who's overseeing, shepherding, protecting, and that's their core. They see that as their, their duty and calling at that place. So, um, that was just an interesting thought here. And then I asked her the question, I said, well, if you were in a situation where you were a part of a, a stable community where you didn't have such a high turnover because of the work, would you, and there were men elders and there were men leadership, would you try to aspire? Did I lose Rob? I lost Rob. Uh Oh, hang on. I'm going to try to call Rob back. Hello. There you are. Uh Oh, I don't know where I was when you lost me. Yeah. uh, If, if she was part of a stable community with leadership, I I asked her, I said, so if, if you're, if, if because of the nature of your work was different, and you were just in a stable, long-term location, and there was a male-led community, would you seek leadership? And she's like, no. She was. It would be a total blessing for her to just let the elders do I the feel job. Like that, I feel like that too, though. <laughs> no, I told, and I told her, I said, you know, a lot of these struggles, it's, 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 not, it's not gender specific. The, the, the insecurities, um, the doubts, the, the spiritual warfare, it, you know, it, that it is intense for leaders, but every believer in Yeshua has to learn, learn and grow and discern the, the new creation life over against the old man every day. You know, that's, that's a battle that's not gender specific, but, um, for the leader, you know, that, that there could be, there's going to be places. And this is how I understand what the reason I mentioned in this particular case is because people asked, well, what about Deborah? right in, in the book of judges. And one thought is, well, it it's, there's a time where it's of necessity. That's what happened, but it's an outlier. It's not a, we don't determine policy, right? We don't determine, um, the rules by looking at these outliers, you know, the I, outliers, if anything, particularly and Caleb mentioned this the other day, he's like, well, the book of judges is everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. And the whole picture is things are falling apart. And it's in that context where you do, in fact, have a, an amazing uh, woman of God, a prophetess, it says, and she judges Israel. But I guarantee you, if we could time travel and interview 
Devorah, she wouldn't say that she aspired to that. It's by de- it's because all the men are dropping the ball. I and- I th- but but once again, I think that you have you have different things going on. There, I mean, I think that there is a line blurred here. People think that prophetess and elder are the same thing, and I don't think they are. People think that apostle and elder are the same thing, and I don't think they are. I agree with that. And people with Deborah specifically, it does say that she judged Israel, and so she served. That means they came to her for for decisions, for authoritative decisions. But why is that? She's a prophetess. She's a prophetess. Who's really speaking through her? God. Well, yeah. But the point is that that's an outlier. That's not like, therefore, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I no, definitely agree with you that, or, I mean, I, I think that uh, no holocaust can ever be uh, determined from the book of Judges. <laughs> I mean, right? We got all sorts of stories going on where you're scratching your head going, um, wait, what? Um, yeah. So anyway, that was just a, a side point um, that in a situation, I, I think that if we go back and we look at the Paul's comments, whether it was in Corinthians or Titus or, or Timothy, the idea is that men are leading and, and that that's the context. It's, it, it's existing communities where men are leading. It's not the frontier where there's no leadership and everybody's looking at each other like, what do we do? You know, that, that's not the case. I think that and the uh, false and I, and I just just I said it last week. One other bit is that the false teaching is really big, and I don't know which clips we're going to listen to from N.T. Wright, but but it's clear the reason the reason Paul cites Adam and Eve says because of deception, and that's not a knock. It's just he says this is just the 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 framework given in Scripture, and that men are were accountable. The man was accountable. Yeah, actually, the the, the, the sheologians and, and Wright, Wright seems to miss that point. The Sheologians uh, bring up a really, really great point. And they say, look, it's, it, it's not because, uh, because, because uh, Eve sinned that like now this is a punishment that she has to follow men. Right, right. No. Oh, exactly. It, it, it was right, set up right. this way. Adam was, Adam was, from the foundations of the world, the man, the man was uh, the uh, spiritual authority and the, and the woman followed. And because... Adam didn't fulfill his role in that. He's punished. First. <laughs> right? First. God calls him first. In other words, it, it, he didn't fulfill the role that God had, had, had made for him, which was to lead. And to protect. Right? And to protect. And I Against think it's, deception. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the big lesson for us, yeah. I want to go to two, uh, to two, I want to go in two different directions here. First of all, at the want, same time, at the exact same time. First of all, I want to read the very beginning of, of a message that I got from a, a good friend of mine. And then I want to move to NT Wright. And then I want to move back to my friend's email. Um, so this is what my buddy said. He said, when you say you can't, and he's speaking about last week's episode, when you say you can't be a true exegete of the Pauline text and not be a complementarian, don't you think that's a touch bold? I think that that would be a huge touch bold. In fact, I think it would be completely out of line because Expl- I didn't explain to what he means. I don't know. Uh, I didn't say that. So I have no clue why he would he would uh, assert that I did say that. And uh, I wrote back and said, I didn't say that. I don't believe that. In fact, one of the things that will prove that is the fact that N.T. Wright is not a complementarian. N.T. Wright is a uh, egalitarian. 
when it comes yeah. to to women. These heavy it, it, Anglican, right? You know. And and the fact of the matter is, is I think that NT you know, I've met NT Wright, I've interviewed NT Wright, I speak to NT Wright almost on a, a yearly basis at the ETS and SBL meeting. I think he is a. Uh, I disagree with him on numerous things, but I think he is a great exegete. And I think that's one of the reasons that I enjoy reading his books so much is because he exegetes the scriptures in a way that I think uh, uh, really makes makes people sit up and say, hmm. So the idea that only a complementarian can exegete the scriptures, I think, is absolutely wrong. I disagree with N.T. Wright's position on women in leadership, as we will see here in just a few seconds. But that doesn't mean that he can't exegete the scriptures. Look, this is this is my opinion on what the scriptures say. If you disagree with it, that's totally up to you. I'm not telling you you have to believe exactly what I believe. And beyond that, if if you are the leader of a, of a church or a, a community somewhere and you want Beth Moore to come in and preach on Sunday, that's up to you. I have nothing. I'm not I I haven't been put in a place to, to tell you to stop doing that. I wouldn't do it myself, but that's I mean, uh, in like manner, if you if you uh, exegete the scriptures differently and say that women can be elders and you want to put an elder in leadership in your community, that's up to you. That's between you, the Lord, and the scriptures, and whatever your church leadership wants to do. I don't have a say in that. What Rob and I, I mean, people, uh, yeah, what Rob and I do is we come on this show and, and we have a discussion about what we believe the scriptures say. And what I believe the scriptures say is that a woman can't be an elder. That's what I believe the scriptures say. I think that a woman can be a deacon. I think that a woman can uh, have very specific roles in terms of certain leadership positions. Elder is not one of them, according to the scriptures, in my view. So the idea that a that a, a person who's a complementarian can't correctly exegete the scriptures or can't exegete the scriptures, I, I don't know where this idea comes from. We'll come back to that because he tries to explain it a little bit more. But let's go to N.T. Wright now. N.T. Wright did this, and this is in your show notes, by the way, the, uh, the link to this. It's a 12-minute clip. I didn't clip a lot of it. I only clipped, I don't know, four or five different, uh, different uh, clips from it. They're short. But let's take a listen to the first one. And so this is him talking about where his starting point is with women in leadership. Oh, wait, hang on just a sec. Uh, we have a super chat that just came in. And we appreciate you guys. Shalom. Thank you very much. Philia Ministries. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you as well. Um, okay. Um, so let's go to N.T. Wright and what he says here about this is him setting up women in ministry as with many other things i want to go to the resurrection i want to go to the resurrection stories of jesus in the in the first light of easter day uh actually you know without the resurrection of jesus everything falls apart anyway there's no christianity and within that culture <clears throat> the idea that the prime witnesses to the most important event in the whole story would be women in tears is so counterintuitive that as a historian, I have to say, nobody would ever make up that story. Okay. This, in my opinion, and once again, I appreciate a lot of what Dr. Wright has to say. This is a straw man argument. The idea that a woman can't be an elder and therefore she couldn't be a witness. I, I mean, he's not talking about the same thing. Right? Right. Well, and this is the slippery language that, that I... 
I appreciate it's a, it's a point that he, what he's saying is good to observe because it's true. However, there's a couple things he's not saying. One is that Yeshua told him that he would raise from the dead before even the passion. So the apostles were told in wrestling with this idea of resurrection, even though it was counter, like they didn't know. And even when they, when they were scattered, even Kepha, you know, Peter at the, at the trial of Yeshua and the, when he started being beaten and mocked and the denial, etc., they, they were hiding, but they still, even in the, they were feeling terrified maybe for their lives, they still believed or were remembering at the very least Yeshua's promise that he would be resurrected. So, so that's one important thing that N.T. Wright doesn't bring out. Yes, it's true that the women bring that message and they're doubtful when they hear it at first, but that's the service of them as bearing witness to that. It's not that they bore witness in the sense of the Sanhedrin was going to convene and they were called and cross-examined in a court situation. So uh, he's doing a good job of, of talking about that, but in, in my view, there's too much spin to make it sound like, like something that it's really not. Is that, I, am I making sense? Well, yeah, but I mean, he's, he's trying to blur roles. Once again, no one's saying that a woman can't be a witness. Yeah, there's nothing there. Right. Well, that's the thing is that how does, so how does this apply? Yeah. Right? How that's does, how point. does, yeah. how does that apply to women in, in leadership? But that, the difference it, is this, the difference is the people, the women went to, to, to report that Yeshua had risen was not some pagan village. I don't right? understand why. I don't understand the connection there. They were just sent to people who already had spent the last how many years with Yeshua. But even if they went to people who had never heard, you can still be a witness. Oh, okay, I got it. But the point is, it, I'm trying to say the precision of, of what the actual story of how they served in that particular uh, situation doesn't even apply to a woman right. sharing, sharing the gospel in, in, in general. Right. In other words, it's even it, more of a straw, a straw man than what he's. It, <laughs> maybe I'm not make, making myself clear on that. I'll, I'll stop talking. No, 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 no. Keep. I, I think I. Got I mean, what you're the, the specific situation of the women bearing witness was not like all of a sudden these women were sent to the world, like at like like a Shavuot moment. It's not. It's you go and tell the specific guys that already I already told that it was going to happen, and just tell them that it's happened, and then I'll meet with them. Sure. And then it was instantaneously the women, they didn't just build off the women's report from then on. Yeshua actually appeared to them and talked with them for 40 days and 40 nights. Right. I, I, complete, so, I so, completely. So the idea is that it wasn't, it, it's not even the same kind of witness. That's all I'm trying to say. Got it. Okay, let's keep going. He's going to talk about Romans 16 here. Romans 16 is explosive. Paul greets all these church leaders in Rome many of whom are women who are church leaders in their own right, one of whom is an apostle, he says so, junior, and there's been a, a huge attempt to try to make out this is Junias, a man, but the scholarship is quite clear. This is a female name. And she- I'm going to hold right here because he's right on this. Absolutely. I completely agree with him. It is a woman. It's Junius, And he does refer to her as an apostle. My father has written on this in his Romans commentary and has a half page on on what this means. I think my dad's got it right on the money. 
is an apostle. For Paul, that means somebody who has seen the risen Jesus and is thereby commissioned to be an authorized representative. Mm-hmm. And here's the crunch. The first woman mentioned in Romans 16 is the bearer of the letter to Rome. Now, if you're Paul and you know in your bones you have just written a letter which is the most explosive piece of theological writing you can imagine, who are you going to give it to to take it to be read under Caesar's nose in Rome? Well, presumably some strong man. No, a deacon woman from the church in Cancrea. Once again, I think that this is a straw man argument because he's... Well, and is it... it I don't know. I don't know if I... But what he's saying is this. Because Romans 16.1 says, I commend to you, Phoebe, our sister, that somehow she was the one who took the letter and read it to the Roman Ecclesia and answer, and fielded questions about even, what Paul meant. Is even, that what he's saying? I don't know, but even then... I don't know that we... I don't know that... I think that's a stretch right there. Zane Zane Lyons comes in with a... Uh, by the way, let's let's give... Let's, let's bless oh, those Oh, that who, accent. Yeah, yeah but he, no doubt. He, he does it. He gives a, a super chat and, and says that accent, though. Yeah, uh, forever, I, I love it. Forever giving super chats, uh, we applaud you. You've been blessed. The... My point is, though, my point to me, is it's like it's 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 a uh, dark chocolate with but, wine. That's like anti right. Yeah, anti right is <laughs> the accent's great. But the, but the point here is this: once again, right is is trying to confuse labels. Sure, she's a deacon. Sure, yeah, there's no and, and and there's no problem with that. And not only that, but Paul gives her a letter to take to 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 people. Once again, nothing in scripture that would say that there's anything wrong with that. So all, all he's, I mean, this is just straw man after straw man. He still has not talked about the issue of women as elders. Uh, you know, N.T. Wright, I've said this many times. I, I love reading N.T. Wright. I've interacted with him many times. I interviewed him. And when I interviewed him, one of the things I realized is that N.T. Wright is really good at dancing. And this is what he's doing here. He's dancing around the issue. He is not actually speaking to the issue at hand. That's all there is to it. Let's keep going. Here's another one. That and so now we've. So I, I then want to say, what are the forces in our culture today, particularly I have to say in America, mm. which are forcing some churches and some people to fasten on one or two verses from elsewhere to say, oh no no, we can't have women doing this and that and the other, because that's a highly highly selective reading of scripture and as with all other theological answers the best place to start is with the resurrection of jesus and then everything that flows out uh, hang on i want to go back real quick and i want to uh, listen to this first part again okay listen to this real quick that and so now we've so I, I then want to say what are the forces in our culture today particularly i have to say in america mm. which are forcing some churches and some people to fasten on one or two verses from elsewhere. Okay, hang on just a sec. Culture in our day. I hate to tell Mr. Wright this, Dr. Wright, but the idea that women can be elders in the church is new. The church historically has never accepted women as priests or elders in in the church. That's not not whether or not it's been right or, or not. It's just a historical fact. You don't have women in the in, uh, becoming part of the church. You know, right is an Anglican. Anglican in the Anglican uh, denomination, women were not allowed to be ordained until 1970. Right was uh, right was a, an elder in the church at that point. It's not like he wasn't born yet. The idea that that I mean, he, historically, what he is saying is absolutely wrong. 
It is a newfound thing within the culture that women can be ordained within the Anglican church and other denominations as well. It's not that all of a sudden the church has decided, oh no, we're not going to, we're, we're, you know, certain sects have decided, oh, we're not going to let women be elders in the church. I'm sorry. This is historically, this is wrong. So, I mean, once again, I, I think that right, granted, he, you know, he's coming out of a, uh, he's coming out of a, his, his exegesis on, uh, on first Timothy, which he admits, he says, now people have taken this many different ways, but I want to take it back to the resurrection. And that, and that I wonder, absolutely. Well, cause he, and Paul makes the point if, if. Messiah is not resurrected, then then we're all doing this in vain, right? And I think that's 1 Corinthians 15. And so N.T. Wright is correct to make the resurrection a core historical moment that everything hinges on. But that can be abused, I think, because it's not like God didn't know from the beginning of time whether or not Yeshua would be resurrected. And we were, everybody was waiting for this moment to see if it actually was going to happen or not. You know what I mean? It it the ramifications of the resurrection are the benefits or or the declaration of Yeshua's righteousness and his his the fact that death could not hold him was always true. It was true at every point in historical time. It just only manifested in the world of men to see and behold at the one specific moment. So does does a new structure of society necessarily find justification just where, because of where it is on the timeline? And this gets into the idea of the new covenant. Is the new covenant time bound or not? Does, am I saved by a different kind of faith than Abraham's? Or is the horizon of my, my faith and my expectation for God's deliverance in his ultimate, uh, uh, uh kingdom, Right, the, the the kingdom of God coming and reigning and setting things right in this earth, is it different for me than it was for Abraham? And my answer is no. So, and I don't. And Paul didn't seem to have a problem saying, in is it in Titus where he says the law? He quotes the Torah, and then in Timothy he says, you know, just like Adam and Eve, Paul's citing the Torah for his justification of the structure of authority. He's not saying, well. Every, every time he gets to the issue, Paul doesn't say, well, Yeshua is risen now. Therefore, we have a new way of thinking about things. We got, we got two things in the chat room that definitely need to be addressed. First of all, Teresa says, older women are supposed to teach younger women no mention of men. There, there's no argument on this, and this is not what we're arguing. First Timothy says that he doesn't allow a woman to exercise authority over a man. And this has to do with being an elder in the church. It has nothing to do with teaching. A woman is supposed to teach her children. A woman is supposed to te teach other women. Right? Once again, this the idea that that to say a woman should not be an elder means that she can have no role within the ecclesia is not what is being said here. Women have very distinct roles and very good roles and very high roles. But even even N.T. Wright, when the, he asks, I don't know if we're going to listen to those clips, but if you go and watch, he reads, you know, he's reading from Timothy, from the Greek. And there's a couple times like, you know, I'm not really sure what to make of this. My best, my best answer is X, Y, and Z. However, he says that'll be contested. There'll be other people who will read this differently. 
And then he'll say, well, and so we shouldn't let this uncertainty of these couple passages here govern our exegesis of the whole Bible, but because of culture. Right. But here's the thing. That same argument could be used about why, N.T. Wright, do you not observe the Sabbath? Right. He's going to go to a, one, two tiny little doubtful readings of Scripture to justify the whole tradition of, of Sunday uh, Sunday worship. And, and it's like, it's like, come on, man, you know, you're going to, in the, in this situation, you're going to complain that people are trying to, who, who treasure the scriptures are trying to make sense of a couple of verses and apply it to, to church structure. And you're unhappy with that. But in other places, when someone has a, an argument where the whole of scripture is clear that Shabbat was something in old Testament times and in new Testament times, you're going to use a couple of verses, spurious readings of them to justify the, you know, thousand year of church history. So I, I, actually that kind of touches on something else that, that's been say, been said in the chat room in the past few uh, minutes. They say, well, yeah, history got the Torah wrong too. I'm not saying that because the church historically has not let women be elders up until the seventies that we, that uh, they're right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that N.T. Wright is not correct in his histor- in his history to say that, that all of a sudden certain churches aren't letting women be pastors. It's the other way around. That's my point. That and, would be similar to the Beth Moore comment. Now, I, again, that's just, I only know it from your telling. But the idea that, oh, you know, you're hyper-evangelical if you're speaking out against homosexuality. That's like all of a sudden, like, that's a new thing. Like now— you're going to right. be labeled as suspect or not representing the Bible accurately. I, but just to follow up on that, it's not that I believe that that uh, since the church historically has not let women be elders, that 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 it's true. I believe that women women should right. not be elders Good. because of the Bible. Good. Thank I, you. That I'm glad you put it that way. I, I because it, I want to make sure no one misunderstands. Yeah, it, just because the church has done it for two thousand years doesn't make it right. I, I totally agree. Yeah, and so, but, and once again, we're going to see that that people do not agree with my uh, my exegesis of the scripture. That's okay. All I'm saying is this is the way that I read the scripture. This is the way that I think that that the mm-hmm. scriptural passages have have. Uh, uh, this is the way that they they've been uh, taught and spoken from God. Okay, let's go back to my friend's email. What I got from that clip, and he's talking about the thing. Now, remember, he said that uh, when you say you can't be tr- a true exegete of the Pauline text and not be a complementarian, which I never said. Uh, he says, what I got from that clip, but the episode as a whole, is that complementarian theology is the only biblical defendable view of the matter. Well, that's the way that I, I exegete this scripture, so I'm going to say that it's correct. I, I don't understand this. Did people expect me to say... Well, you know, I believe this, but it's probably wrong. So there's probably other things that that are obviously right. So I'm not going to take a stance on this. I mean, is that what people expect? No. If I'm going to say that I believe that the scriptures say something, I'm going to say that I believe the scriptures say something. So in my view, this is how the scriptures speak. And yes, a complementarian theology is the way that that the scriptures speak. If you believe in an egalitarian theology, that's up to you. I don't think the scriptures speak that way. N.T. Wright does. So, I mean, you're in good company if you believe that. That's just not what I believe. He goes on, while I expect that, uh, that of you both due to other commitments you have, I'm asking to what end? I'm not exactly sure what he means by that. 
Um, but okay. How confident are you there's not more to the context and the text themselves? I'm confused, though, why a man could be the only one to speak to a community with authority, as you say, just in practical terms. Well, the reason why is because I believe the scripture. that's what the scripture says. Look, but, my... But, but, but it's, eldership is beyond just speaking with authority. Exactly. It's, it's protective, and again, the Titus in particular... False teaching. It's decept. It's deceptive teachers, and then people dealing. They start peddling, and it says <clears throat> people who are teaching the law and they shouldn't be um, myths and folk folklore. They're getting into to Jewish myths. Okay, you know this is it, and this back to one of the Sheologian comments. One of the ladies that we were listening to at the beginning of the show. She's like, look, read read the. The I think they, she used the rigorous. It's a it's like a it's a pretty uh, heavy deal, you know, that shouldn't be taken lightly. And uh, you know, I, I don't know. I I in my view, you know, someone I I was introduced to a new ministry this week. Someone emailed me a link. I watched some video clips, and it's a they present them. I won't say the name of it, but they present themselves as a. Hebrew Christian fellowship, a Hebrew Christian fellowship. And I watched through some of their things and the guy's teaching, he's a real nice guy, loves the Lord, you know, but then he gets into Hebrew word pictures and gematria. And I'm just like, this is an exact example. This is an exact example of, of someone who's teaching. Now it's a, we're not even talking about gender right now, who is throwing this stuff out, feeding Yeshua's precious flock, Hebrew word pictures and numerology as having some sort of significant um, uh, uh, building value, you know, something for them to chew on and meditate on as if it's like, and that's so frustrating. And so the work needs to be, Part of the work of eldership is recognizing that kind of stuff that doesn't belong and then calling it out. Um, and so that, you know, and that's kind of back to the question I had last week of are there are there any of the of these women like these Beth Moore types out there that are actually that clear on calling out false teachings? I have no doubt that a woman could certainly call out false teachings. I'm not saying they could or couldn't. I know I know there's a lot of women you know, just I know that I know personally that would call this out. But I mean that are that are women that are presenting themselves as elders that are actually actively protecting the flock in this manner. That's what I'm asking. I want to go to a comment in the chat room. There ha- uh, uh, Christina says, Caleb, I asked last week, what about those who say it's more patriarchy, not comp? I'm not sure what comp is. But uh, once again... <laughs> this is this is not for yeah Carl I saw that too this is not this is not for me to uh, to determine what God's motivation is here yeah I believe that God said it and so I think that that it's true uh, what what the motivation is uh, that's not up to me uh, Carl uh, he says we still haven't gotten to the important issue of whether women should be allowed to drive I will stay tuned. And I think a lot of actually Carl's comment brings up something that I think a lot of of women watching this probably think that this is more of a, oh, go make me a sandwich kind of a mentality. In other words, words, women are below me and therefore 
but that's not the case at all. In fact, my friend's uh, email, he touches on this. If we both concede women can prophesy in Corinthians, that's a notch above teaching and clearly carries authority towards all in the room. I would agree with you. I don't think that, once again, the the sheologians already touch on this. It's not a matter of whether or not a person's better or the calling of, of elder is the greatest calling. The calling of prophet, prophet, I think, is a calling that probably is above elder in terms of God speaking directly to you and you're conveying what God has said. But that's not trying to, uh, that's not the role of an elder. And yeah, women can be. Once again, the, the, the comment here is to say, oh, well, you don't think that a woman can be an elder, but a woman can be more than an elder. So what about that? Sure, she can. She'd be a prophet. So I don't understand that that's not a good we're not talking about whether or not a woman is as good as a man or better than a man or less than a man that this is not the argument here. And those who think that that is the argument, you've missed it. You've missed the point of what we're trying to say. The point is, is that God has set up a order and a structure that has made it so that men are to be elders and women are not. But women are put into other roles that certainly could be greater than elder. He says, no, man must me- mediate. Phoebe was a diakonos, which clearly carries some authority. <clears throat> yeah, it does. A deacon. Once again, we're not saying that that women can't be deacons. I, once again, I think that people are focused on all these different things that we're not saying. Junia was... Well, a- well here's one thing. Did... did- and this was, would be a question for the egalitarians or the complementarians or like N.T. Wright. <laughs> Did God have one, one structure, one design structure for authority in the Old Testament and then shift that in the New Testament? And one person saying, well, yeah, right off the bat. He had Levitical priesthood. And then he took that away. What would you say to that, Caleb? Did God, did God change his mind about community structure post-resurrection or did he or did he always have this plan of a new community structure and then he didn't implement it until after the resurrection that seems to be what N.T. writes i mean to be honest with you i think that that gets into a very bigger a, a much bigger theological problem if god can do that that means god changes because these things have to do with holiness Paul again, he says he says that his, um, Sarah called him Lord, called Abraham Lord. Paul seems to use this, the Torah as the model, right? Paul seems to use the Torah as the model for the post-resurrection um, wisdom and guidance and instruction of God for the structure of the community, not some new revelation. He's not saying I've got a new revelation, I've got new plans. God gave me a new plan. Now that Jesus is resurrected, we don't, that seems to be what N.T. Wright at, his, at the core is saying. And I disagree with it. I think you and I are on the same page saying that's, yes, it's right to emphasize the resurrection, but the resurrection is not a surprise for, from God's perspective. Right. Resurrection is not a surprise from Yeshua's perspective. Um. That, because it's always that's just the way it was. It's just what was going to happen. And you could say that maybe the resurrection wasn't even a surprise from Abraham's perspective. Abraham said, "You know, he says he longed to see my day, and he saw it and was glad." 
why did, what kind of rejoicing, you know, or Isaiah or King David who wrote the Psalms about, about the resurrection that wasn't, they weren't surprised by it. They were, they rejoiced in, in the promise of new life and righteousness, you know, the true righteousness, of course, but it wasn't a, a socially, it wasn't a new social model plan, you know, for structuring, um, authority in a, in a community. Um, yeah, agreed. Should we keep going with my friend's email or should we uh, stop there? <clears throat> Rob, I was just reading, uh, I, I uh, logged in here. Christina says, Rob, I asked the exact, exact question and answer is that the temple priests are different and not comparable. Okay, well, so yeah, hey, so we can't follow the pattern. Hang on just a sec. Let's, let's go back for just a second because okay. I want to I hash this out real quick. The idea that, God, that God's holiness changes, this is something that uh, someone tried to argue with me about without even realizing it. Look, if you're going to say that God changes in, in his holiness, um, then God changes. And if God changes, I, I missed that. Who said it? Did someone say? Well, that? this is I. Yeah, I'm not going to bring that. This is a oh. private conversation. Oh. Um, but the the point is, is that if you say that God changes, then you have way bigger problems. For instance, the deity of the Messiah, and pe- a lot of people don't realize this, but the idea that God changes is a direct assault on the Trinity. And uh, this goes back to the fourth century Nicene. Uh, 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 well, debates over whether or not God was always Father or not. Orthodox Christianity says that God doesn't change. If he changed, then there, then there could be a time when he wasn't Father. But there's not a time that he wasn't ever Father. He has always been Father. He has always been Son. He has always been Holy Spirit. Anyway, so the idea that God's that God's holiness code can somehow change, I haven't worked this out fully. But um, I don't believe that God's holiness can change. If God's holiness can change, then God changes. Which means the idea that the Levitical priesthood can, can fully go away, um, I don't think it necessarily can. I think that it is a shadow of something and that the shadow can leave, but that, but that the primary aspect of it ha- is always there. So, for instance, the, uh, the, high, the high priest is a uh, shadow of the royal priest, which is the prince. But once the prince comes, he reigns and takes over that role. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, and we have, we have the Babylonian exile as an example where you have the temple destroyed and no priesthood. You know, we, we've had that. It's not like the 70 was the first time that such a crisis was, you know, confronting God's people. I I, I, I hit another bee's nest. Um, So some people don't care about the Trinity. Somebody else says, I don't agree with the Trinity. Maybe Godhead is the better wording for it. Currently been pondering and researching the subject. I don't understand why you wouldn't like the the word Trinity. Uh, It was a formation within the, from the second to the fourth century and adopted into Christian uh, terminology, which I think is a, is a great term. You know, the word Bible is also not in your Bible. Uh, when you say Orthodox Christianity, you're referring to the Orthodox Christians or just correct Christian teaching. Orthodox Christianity would be a reference to what the church as a whole 
some would say the Catholic Church. We don't mean Catholic in terms of like Roman Catholicism. What we mean is like universal church accepts his doctrine. And so when we talk about Orthodox Christianity, especially in regards to the, to the Trinity, we're talking about the fourth century Nicene debates and ultimately the Nicene Creed, which I, by the way, agree with. Um, correct Christian teaching, I think, is what is he is what he meant. I feel it's limiting and boxing. Uh, in what way? Okay, um, so let's go back real quick. Uh, do you, do we want to look at uh, any of this uh, email that was sent to me, or not? Any more of it? Well, it's up to you. Okay. Well, as we read it uh, on Monday, you said we need to go through this whole thing, but I don't think we necessarily do. I think we've uh, I think we've touched on most of it. Here's the point. Here's the ultimate and end point that I'll make on on the idea of women as elders. I think that the scriptures are, uh, to be honest with you, I think the scriptures are quite clear on women being elders. And I think that the um, the modern push against the idea that women can't be elders is, I think, highly di- dictated by culture. And I'm, I, I know that people would b- balk at that. But ultimately, 100 years ago, you didn't have a bunch of women saying, why in the world can I be an elder? Uh, it's a new formation. I think that that formation is is somewhat dictated by culture. And I think that the push from from uh, from different scholarly circles to say, oh, let's try to figure out what Paul was really talking about is once again a, a want to try to make what we feel fit the text of Scripture as opposed to having what the Scriptures say dictate what we believe. Ultimately, the point is, is do I wish that I wasn't going against the majority of what people are saying. And, and uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to take a, a view that people disagree with. It's not fun, especially when you got good exegetes like N.T. Wright saying you're wrong. I said this yesterday, and Rob told me to write it down. And this is what I said. I said, what we are seeing here is the non-education and misunderstanding of what a biblical community looks like and how it functions in the life of a believer. Ultimately, I think the push against the uh, what I see as the skip scriptural truth that women can't be elders is a misunderstanding of community and the role that it plays within a believer's life and how vitally important that role in a believer's life is. And I think that this is one of the things that the Torah movement and the Hebrew Roots movement and the Messianic movement has just horribly gotten wrong. I don't understand. We just lost connection. What happened? Can you hear no, 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 me? it's not. It's not you. Anyway, we're still. Uh, are we still broadcasting? Well, we're not broadcasting, but we're still. Uh, we are still. Oh, there we go. Um, Anyway, we're still recording, so people on the uh, podcast will definitely hear it. Anyway, uh, that's what I think has gone on. Um, okay, well, I think we're done. What do you think? I guess we call it good. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine the emails we're going to get. All right, well, I hope that everyone at least enjoyed it, even if you disagree with it. And uh, we will, uh, yeah, we'll come back next time with a totally different... I think we've beaten this uh, this horse long enough. Uh, I think that we can uh, we can move on next week. Uh, check your uh, check your if you're a Messiah Matters More uh, uh, supporter. Check the page this week. We'll probably have something up that is new and fresh for you. And yeah, 
All right. No matter who you are or what you believe, we hope that this episode has at least glorified our great God and Savior Yeshua, the Messiah. Why? Well, because Messiah matters. Mm-hmm.